Welcome to another edition of Inside the Economy. I'm Larry Howes. This time I want to talk about consumer debt and housing, the performance of the S&P 500, what's going on with the bond market and the inversion of the yield curve, the U.S. dollar, which is important, and the likelihood of a recession in the Eurozone. Quick look at the numbers. CPI, the Consumer Price Index, is creeping down a little bit. We're down to 1.5, 2.1. Absolutely predictable. We knew this was coming a year ago. The PCE, the Personal Consumption Expenditure, the favorite measure that the Federal Reserve uses, is also coming down. Inflation's lowering. The Federal Reserve is done raising. The Powell pivot, a great media term, basically saying the Federal Reserve is probably not going to raise anymore. It's very likely they won't raise anymore. We knew there was a 50-50 chance that there weren't going to be any rate increases in 2019 anyway. Well, now it's off the table. It's also very unlikely they're going to ease rates in 19. Okay. Nothing exciting in jobless claims, unemployment still 3.8, the rest of the stuff. You will notice in the bond yields that the 10-year bond has the same yield as the three-month bond. Well, normally you'd think a consumer wouldn't commit their money to 10 years for the same yield they could get for three months. But we'll just touch on the inversion right here because it's so popular in the media. The yield curve, as it's known, is just arithmetic. It is laying out on a graph what the yields are from three months to 30 years. And sometimes when it inverts, meaning that a 10-year has smaller yield than a three-month, that that has historically been the portent of, oh, we're going into a recession and it's bad news. That is clearly not the case this time. We are not going into a recession. There's probably not a recession in the foreseeable future in the U.S. economy. I don't think the arithmetic could ever support two quarters of negative GDP. So right now, what I'd like to talk about is some of the data that the Fed's looking at. And this is sort of a simple graphic representation. Unemployment, 3.8. It's going to remain there or in the vicinity for the foreseeable future. The job market is tightening. It might even go a little bit lower. GDP is going to come down. We're running about 2.3, 2.4 now. And with inflation at 1.9, it's sort of a good number. But inflation is coming down. And the reason the Federal Reserve was raising rates is to slow the economy down. So it's going to come. It's going to shrink. First quarter 2019 estimate for GDP, it's going to be 1.7. Don't be surprised. The household sector, very important part of the economy, has been borrowing a little more money. Over here on the left, you can see where the debt peaked in 2008 before the Great Recession and people walking away from a lot of no money down homes in Las Vegas have come back, spent a little more money, generally in student loans and cars. People have been buying a lot of cars. Great. Helps the economy. On the other side of the coin, the disposable income required to cover this debt, this increased debt, is at historically low levels and staying down there. 
a lot of these millennials, the new households, even your basic consumer still being very prudent. No bubbles in the household sector. Interestingly enough, some of the best real estate markets, which is also very indicative of what's going on with the consumer, have started to accumulate inventory. When they accumulate inventory, it's no longer a seller's market, it's now becoming a buyer's market. The much vaunted Seattle, San Jose, even Denver has had an increase in inventories, which spells good things for people out looking for homes. And with rates coming down, that's happening more and more. New home sales have increased. This is the National Association of Realtors. We slowed down a little bit. We always slow down at the end of the year. That's typical. Holidays, people aren't buying homes on Thanksgiving. So things have picked up, one, in light that rates have come down, and two, a lot of confidence that the rates aren't going to go up or continue to go up. So we've seen the peak of this interest rate cycle. Okay, let's switch to the S&P 500. You look at this, somewhere around the 20th of December, we had the end of what should have been a bear market correction. I said we were going to have a bear market which is generally considered a 20% decline. We got to 19.1, and it has since recovered. So we recovered the 20% loss we did in December in two and a half months. Not bad. That kind of performance is very likely to continue. The fundamentals in the S&P 500 are still pretty good. The month-end price-to-earnings ratio is coming back to historic norm. We're well inside one standard deviation. No bubbles in the stock market either. One indication of how well the earnings are going in the S&P 500 is the financial section, to include the banks. Here is the quarterly operating earnings of all FDIC-insured institutions in the United States. It's about $60 billion a quarter. They're doing fine. Some of that is regular consumer lending, which is not out of control. Some of it is new mortgage lending, which is actually probably and likely going to pick up. Banks are doing well. Best banking system on earth right now, unquestionably. Now, the bond market is indicative of a different kind of activity in the marketplace. If you'll notice this, the blue line down here in the bottom is basically following the yield of the 10-year. When people became confident that rates weren't going to continue to go up after Chairman Powell made his announcement and whatever else was going on in the economy. They started buying 10-year, 8-year, 12-year, whatever they could get their hands on, longer bonds, to lock in even a 3% yield for the foreseeable future is still attractive since it's a guarantee. When you buy more 10-years or buy any treasury, Price goes up, yield goes down. Yield goes down, they bought all the 10 years they could get their hands on and drove the yield down to the same yield as a three-month. Now up on top here is basically the positions that were quite commonly held in the previous several months. The bars below the line are the short positions, meaning they're selling these or they're holding a short position thinking that rates were gonna to continue to go up and the price of those would go down. Well, that changed after Chairman Powell made his announcement. 
Now they're out buying tenure. When everybody's out buying things, the price goes up. When the price goes up on a treasury, the yield comes down. It's exactly what's happened. Now we have a yield on a 10-year that's the same as a three-month. Well, 10 years are popular. The marketplace is not the least bit concerned that we had a record budget deficit, 280 or so billion dollars. Didn't bat an eye. They want the treasury. It's the best security on the planet. One of the things that has changed in this is the demand by individuals for treasuries. It continues to increase. It's not just institutions. Individuals are buying these in their IRAs. They're buying them in cash. They're buying them in place of buying real property. For whatever reason, they are more popular with individuals than they ever have been. Just as an example, here's basically a breakdown of the U.S. bond market. It's about $40 trillion. $18 trillion of that is just treasuries. Then the corporate bonds, which we call credits, agencies, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, all those guys. Muni market was still under $4 trillion. You'll probably see that increase in the near future. Plus, well, the rest of the stuff. It's a lot of money in the bond market. Interestingly enough, it's half the size of the equity market, which is also very popular these days. It's almost $100 trillion between what's owned in equities and what's owned in bonds just in the United States. It's a lot of money. It's watched very carefully. These prices are, are adjusted daily, almost by minute. There aren't any bubbles here either. I want to talk about the dollar for a minute. The dynamics that drove the dollar higher in 2018. The globe was slowing. We had tariffs, a little bit of protectionism, loose fiscal policy, and tightening monetary policy all joined together to drive the dollar up higher. There it was, 2018. It continued to climb, continued to climb. It has since flattened. I think it's going to stay there. When the dollar stabilizes and may even get a little weaker, that makes all the assets in the U.S. more attractive to foreign investment. If the Eurozone does go into recession, they'll bring that much more money into the U.S. Let me talk about the Eurozone for a minute. The Eurozone manufacturing, the PMI numbers for manufacturing, have dropped below 50. If you're below 50, then you're not growing. We've talked about the ISM in the United States. The PMI in Europe is pretty much the same thing. Manufacturing is slowed. It's adjusting to Europe's biggest customer, which has been China, slowing significantly. However, the Eurozone economy is very similar to the U.S. It's about 74% services anyway. And the services in the Eurozone are doing fine. If there is a recession, and the important recession would be in Germany, secondarily in France, it's not going to be significant. The wheels aren't coming off the train, and Brexit is merely a diversion to what's going on in the economy. Most of your positions in Europe are intact again and doing fine, as well as the S&P 500 is, by the way. Inflation is okay in the Eurozone. It seems unusual that people would be happy at looking at 1.2% growth and a little less in inflation, but that's what you get. The 
little recession they had in 2012 is forgotten. And I don't think if they enter into a recession in the next couple of quarters that it's going to last very long. Very little drama in Europe. Now, finally, a quick update on China. We don't have any money invested there, but just to keep you updated, the People's Bank of China, the, one of the truly beautiful buildings in Hong Kong, put some $700 billion or 5% of their GDP into the banking system in January 2019, including about $83 billion just in one day. This huge stimulus, well, was reported as the rapid depletion of liquidity in the bank, so they needed to recapitalize. Now, we don't know if that is in fact the Chinese pulling their money out of their banks and putting it in coffee cans, or they're trying to put more money into the banks so they will stimulate another round of lending. We don't know. But that was a huge bunch of money. We'll continue to follow what's going on in China. Meanwhile, that's everything. Uh, as things change, we'll try the best we can to keep you informed. If you have any questions, again, send it at info at shwj.com. I appreciate you joining me. Thank you.